Well, after an eventful indoor track and field season, it's time to say goodbye to the short track for yet another year. Rather than Morton's passing, though, we can send it off in style with both the U Sports and NCAA holding championship meets this weekend. On this week's show, we sit down with Tim Hupch from Canadian Running Magazine to run down just what to expect of the U Sports champs at the Edmonton Butterdome. But first, Ottawa's own Adam Palomar will be repping the Syracuse Orangemen in the Mile at the NCAA champs this weekend. That's on its way. You're listening to the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Adam Palomar's credentials should probably speak for themselves. He's a 357 miler, a 338-1500 meter runner, and he's not even out of school yet. Adam will be competing this weekend in the mile down at the NCAA Indoor Champs in Texas. You are at a very exciting time uh, in your season right now. I think we should just start out, where are we contacting you right now? Where are you right now? I'm in uh, College Station, uh, Texas, and so yeah, we just uh, we traveled up yesterday from Syracuse. It was, it was kind of a long day, uh, two flights and a drive, but uh, yeah, it's beautiful here. It's like 75 and uh, sunny and a, a bit humid. I'm not sure what it's uh, like where, where you're at right now, but uh, yeah, being from Canada, I can definitely uh, appreciate the weather. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, for those who don't know, NCAA Finals this weekend uh, in Texas, as you mentioned, and, and that's where you are right now. You're going into this race, uh, which is the mile race. You're ranked eighth. Um, we were talking a bit before, and, and you're at about a 357. How are you feeling going into this? I feel good. I feel confident. You know, it's uh, and it's interesting. I was doing an interview with um, just for Syracuse a couple of days ago, and they asked me about my ranking too. But um, truth be told, like the way I look at uh, championship racing is just like um, kind of like a total reset. Like it's um, honestly to me, like it doesn't really matter if you're like Ches or like the 16th guy. I think um, you just got to go in and compete, and uh, you know, try and give yourself an opportunity to win. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where my head's at. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, underestimate, um, anybody. And, uh, I just really want to run, uh, just, a, a, a tactically sound prelim tomorrow. So, well, well, you mentioned Chez and that, you know, there's a couple other like really notable collegiate names in there. Is that, does that get into your head now? I mean, you've, you've been in the NCAA for a bunch of years now. Does it still get into your heads to see names like that on the line? Um, yeah, I guess that, that's a good question. I'm, I'm definitely not as, uh, as starstruck as I was, um, you know, as, as a freshman or anything like that. And, um, <laughs> actually I, I haven't checked my heat sheet on purpose. Cause sure. like you said, yeah, you don't want to let anybody get into your head. And like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go to bed tonight thinking about, uh, you know, Ben Sorrell or Chaz or something like that. And so I'll just, uh, I'll check my heat in the morning. But, um, no, honestly, like I, I've been to a couple championships now and, uh, you know, I feel pretty uh, relaxed about it. And um, I think, if anything, having Chez in the race uh, kind of makes things feel a bit more relaxed because, you know, I'll, I'll go out and compete full out. But, um, you know, if you lose to a 352 guy, there's uh, really no shame in that, right? So, you know, this year has been phenomenal for you. I mean, you, you have a new indoor 800 PB, um, you have a new mile PB as well, too. What's, uh, what's been different this year? Um, you know, I think it's, it's it just been, uh, kind of, um, yeah, just, um, kind of just an incremental process, really. I think I'm adjusted to the training at Syracuse now and, uh, you know, I have really good teammates there to, uh, to hit, uh, workouts with, you know, Justin and, uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of other guys as well. 
And so uh, I'm not sure, you know, if anything this year has been uh, particularly different. But, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, I've, I've just been progressing, you know, hitting good workouts and, uh, you know, keeping keeping the mileage not super high. But, um, yeah, just continuing to, to develop. So. So you, you mentioned Justin Knight, who we all know uh, and, and we all love. You guys are both Canadians, and so I have to ask, you know, when your teammates aren't looking or whatever, do you, like, I don't know, quote the Trailer Park Boys or, you know, call each other hosers or, or do anything Canadian? Like, how do you guys keep your own national identity, I guess, on the Syracuse team? That's a good question. I mean, we, we, we do hang out a bit, actually. Um, <laughs> we were watching an episode of Dexter just before this. But um, I think, yeah, definitely it's funny. There's times where we're, like, talking, and uh, we'll, we'll just, like, use a term, like, some kind of slang. Hmm. And, uh, like, nobody else on the team knows what it means. And they're like, what? <laughs> What's going on? And we have to, like, explain to them what it means because it's, um, it's, like, only a Canadian term, you know? <laughs> So before you came to Syracuse, uh, you were at Tulsa uh, in Oklahoma, and and you, you did really well there as as well. How was it, you know, making the switch from from that style of coaching to Syracuse, or was it similar, or you know, how'd that work out? Um, I think that's um, yeah, there are definitely yeah some some similarities in the two programs and some differences. So I think uh, what they both had in common is I think both are uh, you know very aerobic programs and. Uh, Syracuse has done, you know, just excellent across country, and Tulsa's made nationals consistently, and so they're both very aerobic, you know, uh, as opposed to a program like uh, maybe like a Georgetown or Penn State where they, uh, like, the middle distance guys can hit the speed really hard. Um, and then I think <laughs> one of the main differences was just kind of um, like the geography. Like Tulsa is, uh, yeah, it's in Oklahoma, and it, it's uh, it's ridiculously flat. Hmm. Um, and so coming to Syracuse, which is uh, really hilly, I had to get used to doing uh, some tempo runs and workouts on the hills, and uh, it took a little bit of time. And I'm, I'm still adjusting, I think. But um, I think yeah, both are, are really aerobic programs, and so I think that helped. That made the, the adjustment a little bit easier. So when I think of you, when as as a miler, um, I think that you have a really good top end as well too you have you have a really good kick and uh you know i know i've been talking with other people about this and and that's pretty much the consensus but you mentioned that you mostly went to aerobic based programs so would you say that your speed is more natural or you know is there workouts that you've been doing to improve that as well um you know i think something that stuck with me is um when i was a freshman at tulsa uh i'm not sure if you know chris o'hare but um he was uh, he was like our best uh, athlete there, and he's kind of a team leader. Uh, he's made a couple uh, world championships in the Olympics now for 1500. And uh, one thing he told me was that uh, you know strength builds uh, speed actually. And yeah, like you said, I um yeah I do have like a, a fair bit of bit of natural speed, but I think just um in the mile especially just having the fitness um so that uh, when you get to that last like 600 400 meters that you're actually able to use your speed. Hmm. is uh is really important so so of course you you are a student as well as being an athlete um have you found that it's been difficult to to balance those two things i haven't had too much difficulty to be honest i think um being a student athlete both at uh tall science here i think 
you know they're really good about uh, providing us with the with the right resources. You know we have we have people who um, kind of coordinate our ath- uh, athletics and academics and uh, help us schedule things. And so I think um, yeah, all those people have been really helpful. And um, I never really had problems. I think uh, sometimes going to big meets like this, it's difficult to like stay motivated academic wise. Like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like just find the will to do schoolwork. But um, yeah, for the most part, I haven't had trouble. Okay, so I want to go back a little bit to last summer at the Canadian Championships. Um, I think most people remember watching the 1500 and uh, and watching it get thrown around a little bit by by a veteran. Uh, do you remember having any words with Nate Brennan afterwards? Uh, and what did you learn from that race? Oh man, I think uh, I mean no no hard feelings against Nate. You know, he said he was sorry. I said it's okay. You know, like I fully understand that uh, championship. Uh, racing is physical and you know there's jostling and stuff and uh, I got caught on the wrong end of it and I think uh, looking back I kind of I made a tactical mistake Um, so I guess it was about yeah it was a little bit over 800 to go and what happened was yeah I was in the the first spot on the inside uh, but I I, I really didn't want to lead the whole thing and so what happened was uh, Justin Kent was moving on my outside and uh, he seemed to be a bit antsy, and uh, so I thought, okay, like I'm not going to slow down, but I'm not going to accelerate. I'll just let him take the first uh, the first spot. But the problem was uh, when he made his move, like everybody else behind me wanted to respond as well. So I think, uh, yeah, Nate kind of caught my heels, and uh, that's when I tripped. So yeah, I just think in the future, like, um, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't take that first spot unless I'm willing to lead. So. So he did talk to you afterwards, then. Um, just briefly, just briefly, you know, he said he was sorry. I think most, uh, most distance runners are really nice guys. So yeah, he was just, uh, apologetic and, uh, yeah, we cooled down a bit together, but honestly, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a big deal at all. A little bit of, uh, learning experience tactically, but, um, yeah, nothing more to it. Um, I saw that the, the Ottawa lines, they posted just after you, after you, uh, set that, that new indoor, uh, mile PB, a little bit earlier this year, they uh, they posted that you are the second fastest miler in the club. You grew up with the Ottawa Lions. What did they do for your development, and uh, and you still go back there on on holidays or whatever just to check in and stuff? Definitely, definitely, and I, I still talk to the head of the club, uh, Andy McKinnis, on a regular basis, and uh, he, he kind of he, he helps me with. Um, some of the quest for gold forms and things like that because he, he knows a lot of the people who work at uh, Athletics Ontario and Athletics Canada. But um, yeah, and that was basically how I started. I mean, and, uh, what happened was in um, in grade eight, I uh, I, I didn't make uh, my club soccer team, and I, <laughs> I was pretty mad about it because I'm a competitive guy, and I uh, hmm. I started training with the Lions, and um, yeah, I think um, yeah, they really just helped me develop. We you know we started just with running some basic interval workouts uh, three times a week. And then um, over the years, you know, I got into a little bit more mileage. But, um, yeah, they, they really helped me, yeah, just, um, yeah, develop as an athlete and kind of, yeah, learn how to compete. And, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm really grateful. And like you said, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go back there in the summer and um, run some twilight meets and, yeah, run with some of my former teammates. So, obviously, this weekend – is is absolutely huge for you uh so you're probably not thinking too too much 
beyond that. But uh, what do you have, uh, you know, on deck for for the summer? It's funny you mentioned that actually because um, yeah, I was doing some quests for gold forms and like filling out a yearly training plan uh, just this morning, and um, so basically until until the middle of June, that'll just be uh, collegiate races, and so um, after indoor NCAA's, I'll, uh, I'll I'll train for uh, for a few weeks, and we'll probably keep things a bit more aerobic. And uh, I might even run like a 5,000 meters um, in early April just to see where my fitness is at. Um, and then after that, I'll, uh, you know, I'll try and hit a regional mark in the, in the 1,500 meters, which um, usually it takes about 346, 345. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah, come, come the middle of May, it's championship season. So you've got ACCs uh, the second week of May, then uh, East Regionals last week of May and um, yeah, outdoor NCAA is the second week of June. So um, yeah, after that, I guess, um, yeah, if, if I'm fit enough, I'd like to uh, try and attempt the A standard and really um, give qualifying for like world championships a serious go. Um, so that's, uh, that, that's the plan basically. Well, you ran 338 uh, a couple years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Do you feel that uh, that's definitely something that's achievable for this year? I think so. Yeah, and uh, even last year, I think I was I was in better shape than 338, um, and I was pretty consistent. You know, I ran 340 or faster uh, four times, and so yeah, I, I definitely think uh, you know 336, 335 is achievable, but. Um, for the 1500, especially, it's so much uh, a matter of getting the right race and getting with a good field and just, uh, you know, having a pacer that uh, that does a good job. But, um, yeah, I definitely think I can do it. He's Adam Palomar, and he will be racing in the NCAA Division One Mile Championships this weekend. Uh, he races for Syracuse along with Justin Knight. Be sure to give our best to him. And uh, hey, man, best of luck this weekend, and uh, and best of luck this summer. We'll definitely be watching. Yeah, thanks so much, Michael. Yeah, it was uh, really good to have you, have me on today. Yeah, thank you for the interview. I appreciate it. This indoor season has seen one of the deepest fields in Canadian collegiate sport, but it all comes to an end this weekend. To make sense of it all, we brought in Tim Hubsch from Canadian Running Magazine to help work it out. Okay, so some big moments happening this weekend, actually, really today and tomorrow, really. But I want to take it back a couple of weeks here at the OUA Championships. What were some big key moments there? What, what really stands out to you today, now two weeks later? I'll preface this by saying that I was only there for the second of the two days. So that was basically the, the 600s and the 1500s for the most part. Hmm. Um, yeah, the 1500 between the Stafford sisters was definitely a kind of a standout moment in my mind, seeing kind of Gabriella take it out really hard from the front and seeing Lucia kind of chase her until about 250 to go. And then Lucia kind of taking off and really going for the win. I actually thought she might have had it in the bag there, but, uh, Gabriella coming down in the, the last 50 meters, really showing, I guess, her, her uh, veteran in the in the sport, kind of coming off uh, Rio last summer, and for the most part, kind of having a, a relatively quiet fall and relatively quiet winter. It was kind of um, she was kind of coming in as a relative unknown, only really kind of racing a few times, whereas Lucia setting multiple Canadian junior records. Um, but yeah, great race there. Um, 
the men's 600, obviously a little, seemed like there was a bit of controversy, uh, some bumping between Tommy Land and Dasha Smart on that final, or entering the final lap and then kind of Tommy Land and going into lane two, I guess the final stretch, kind of pushing, uh, not really pushing, but kind of just using his, I guess, um, his position to kind of move out into lane two uh, with Sasha kind of throwing up his arms. And, um, but I talked to the UOT coach after and he said it didn't really affect the race a whole lot. Sasha, I heard Sasha wasn't necessarily impeded on, so that kind of, that stuck. Um, and then the men's 1500, Jeff Tweedle with a nice little lead going into the final lap with Jack Sheffer kind of letting him, I guess a bit of a mistake letting him kind of come in on the inside. I know Jack after the race told me that he might not have won and Jeff not kind of opened up that little lane mm-hmm. on the inside. So those kind of, those three moments were really um, kind of a standout. And then the relays are always kind of, you can't really predict what's going to happen. There's always some sort of crazy moment here or there, um, especially to intermediate bank track, just the exchange zones are kind of just melee and, um, yeah, those are those are kind of the big moments um, sticking out in my mind. It'll be interesting to see how kind of the Canada West and AOS RSEC people kind of slot into those spots and kind of mix it up with the um, the strong kind of Ontario contingent. Well, those moments they do bring up a lot of relevant questions that uh, will definitely pertain. Uh, to the next couple of days in Edmonton, I want to start with the Stafford uh, sisters' performance in the fifteen hundred. It looked like they're giving it all from from my spot at home. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it up to Toronto, but it looked like they're they're giving it all. Do you think that we can expect the same sort of race, or do you think that we're going to move to more of a championship style for this weekend? Well, Lucia, I know set a personal best, including her outdoor and indoor performance. So that's obviously huge. Doing that on a two hundred meter um, track in a championship race, so. Um, I think just the fact that some of these women have times that they may not want to risk going out slow and kind of leaving it to the end. I think um, the times the times that OUA I think we're kind of at the the fast end of what we can expect. Mm. Um, and I think kind of I know some other uh, some other good women are in there. Like I know Regan, you I think has one of the, the top times in that in that race so she'll definitely be up there um Gabriela didn't double at OUA so I don't know if that's gonna come into play with I know I think she's I think she's in the on the star list for the 3k I'm not 100% sure how that will kind of uh, play into it whether she's um gonna do that or I think the 3k is before the 1500 generally so um if she's running on tire legs I can't really it's gonna be hard to predict how she uh Takes it out, but I think if she does a similar strategy as she did at UA, so you kind of, I think that she needs to be the favorite. I'd say no disrespect to anyone else, but if she doesn't win, I think it would be generally an upset. Um, one thing maybe that I see Lucia doing differently if it kind of comes down um, to a kick in the end is maybe kicking a bit later. I know at OUA she kind of did a bit, made a big move with 250 to go, and then she had the she had the lead going into the final two turns, which is obviously advantageous, not having to run any extra room, but I think trying to kick from 250 out against um, an Olympian, it's knowing it's also her sister. She might have got a bit excited a bit too early. Um, so I would be surprised if it 
the time was slower than 420 again. Um, I shouldn't say again. If the time is slower than 420, I think it's going to be faster than that. Uh, just considering how kind of deep the field is. Um, I know there's multiple women that kind of have, have some really fast times and shown last summer that they can um, they got to run with the best. So going back to that 600, and uh, and of course there was a little bit of controversy there with some some boxing out and and uh, according to the tracky forums, a, a little bit of impedance. However, that that was not called uh, rightfully so, in my opinion. I mean, you've gotten some time in on the indoor track. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of where you come from. Some some track racing. What where do you think the line is? I mean, when when do you call it as being impedance, or when do you think it's too physical? The video, at least from uh, the footage that we captured from the finish line, kind of from above, and then I think I, I know I posted another one, kind of from track level. It looked like Land was legitimately in lane one and moved out into the outside of lane two, where Sasha was going to go. I don't know if that ultimately played a big role, but I think entering the final lap, that the kind of elbowing between the two, I think that was. That was totally in line. I think uh, that was kind of just Tommy trying to maintain his lead and knowing in the 600 that you really want to you really want the lead on those final two turns. You don't want to run any further than you need to. So I think I could see it playing out somewhat differently. I think um, the Butterdome not being a bank track, as far as I know, I think uh, that might lead some people to either kicking earlier or later, even though I guess in the 600 that you can't even really say it's a big kick. It's kind of just holding on. But I, right after the race, I was pretty concerned that there was going to be a disqualification just kind of based on looking at the video kind of over and over and over again and seeing that there is legitimate movement from one lane to the next. Um, it might have also just been kind of Tommy sensing that someone was there and kind of just the instinct of moving to the outside. I know if you're if you're tiring up, you might you might not have a straight line just to the finish, just because you're trying to your form's kind of going and your arms are kind of just going everywhere. So you're just trying to get to the finish, though it may not be pretty. Um, I think that race was kind of on the very edge. I think it was on the I think the final call was the correct one. I think any more like kind of contact between either those two or um, in any other race, I think would be the officials would have kind of a difficult choice to make. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't to the point where it was obvious. It wasn't like a, okay, there's not, there's nothing here. Or um, it's like, no one was like tripped. No one was pushed off the track. No one um, was seriously impeded, but I guess, Sasha always so kind of throwing up his arms, I guess, halfway up his body, not full blown throwing up his arms, kind of made the post race reaction a bit, um, a bit more warranted, I guess, for maybe a DQ. But that was, um, yeah, that's kind of my stance on it. I think that was, it's on the, it's on the edge, but I kind of like seeing that, the contact, especially in such a close race. It's only 80 seconds of running, really. So it's, every kind of centimeter or inch really matters in that, in that sense. Mm-hmm. 
So you mentioned it's happening at the Butterdome, uh, the eSports Championships. I think we've been calling it the CIS Championships up to this point. It's it's this rebranding, man. I, I'm not sure I get it. But uh, speaking of funny names, it's happening at the Butterdome, uh, which is a great name, I think. But uh, talk to me a bit about the Butterdome uh, and maybe his reputation for being a fast track, slow track. Uh, where are we standing with that? I've never personally raced on the Butterdome. I know it's not banked, so... The, tur- the turns are going to be a bit tricky, especially in, in the, the tighter races. And I know we might touch on this a bit uh, later in the show, but some of the relays are just going to be, I think, complete mayhem. Um, not having that bank and kind of just those corners being even sharper. Um, I'm not really sure the whole uh, track is going to, like the track situation is going to have any sort of advantage for some of the the people that are more used to running on it, whereas I guess cross country, you can say some athletes have a home course advantage. Um, I could also see some of the athletes on the West coast running at Dempsey, kind of having that, that experience running on the not bank track, uh, sorry, the non-bank track. Um, and kind of the, the finishing stretch, I think being, I think it might kind of affect what, how athletes kind of, kick at the end of the race mm-hmm. in terms of either using the bank, not using the bank, waiting until 50 meters to go versus a hundred meters to go. That's kind of my, I don't, I honestly don't really have too much uh, knowledge of why it's called a butter dome or how fast or slow it is. But I think for this kind of me, we're looking at who's winning and who's, who's uh, producing some exciting finishes rather than how fast the race is going to be. I think, there won't be anything, in my opinion, super blazing. Like, but it's it's also tough to say. There might be some races where the athletes try to run the kicks out of some of the the good finishers. So maybe in the three k, we could see some some really fast times if some of the athletes decide to work together. Like I know in the men's three k, Jacqueline and uh, Antoine have season best four to five seconds faster than anyone in the field. So that could also play into if there's any sort of strategies between athletes or teammates that could also play into effect how, uh, how fast we see things go. So I think it was really big news out on the East coast for sure. When, uh, when Dan Gorman said that he was going to come back, uh, for another year, Dan Gorman, obviously having a, a fairly successful career, um, I th- I think it's extremely excited to exciting to see a name like that come back. Uh, has there been any like do we know how fit he is and how he how he might fare? Um, you know, against the rest of the U sports. Quick search, uh, I saw he ran a four oh six nine mile in Boston, twenty seventeen. So it looks like he has. I think he has a three forty lifetime best from a few years ago. So four oh six mile, definitely nothing. Uh, I think that's Socha. That's I think that was at Boston University. So he definitely has a bit of fitness there. That said, an extended break from indoor track racing. I know uh, not sure uh, how long he's been away from uh, Dow, but it's hard to really say. I think he might be kind of a wild a wild card coming in into the 1500. Um, I did see on his Twitter account that. He's a big fan of the French press, so I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, a good finish there, fueled by some caffeine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always good to see athletes kind of come back from an extended break, either from 
from racing for the university or just racing in general. So it's always good. That, and his name is for me really kind of synonymous with consistency on the Canadian track and field circuit. I, I always remember seeing his name at Canadian championships or um, some of the national track league races. And he's, he's always producing some good times. So um, yeah, I guess it depends what his kick is like. Cause I'm, my prediction would be the men's 1500 is going to, uh, is going to be on the slow side just cause it's some of the athletes are going to be coming back from, from the double, from the three K or from another race the night before. And so there's also that added element depending on who, to be fair, he, he's only doing, according to the starlets, he's only doing the 1500. So mm-hmm. he'll be fresh for that. So I like his chances. Another factor I think is uh, is really this fall we we got to see some athletes really really do well on the cross country course. Uh, I mean Declan White comes to mind. I believe he got second at the at the U Sports uh, cross country nationals. As well, uh, we had a Laval team that just had a breakout year, and of course they have the defending champion on their team as well. How how much do you think cross country uh, success will will translate into track success this weekend? For Antoine Thibault, I know he's coming back from double gold in, in 2016 at the CIS Track and Field Championships. And he was, from what I've read previously, he was kind of, cross-country was kind of always his kryptonite. He couldn't really nail it as as well as he wanted to. And then this year he had a, he had a, a really good cross-country season, so that bodes even better for him coming into this year's U Sports Championships. For Declan, he's... I don't know. Declan is always, it's always hard to predict how he's, he's going to run. He could throw down like a, a race like he did at Newfoundland a few years ago where he, he just kind of uses his own strategy and produces something rather memorable, or he can uh, drop a really fast time like he has in the 3K so far this year. So for those guys that really, I guess, focused on cross country and had good performances in Kingston at the, the Canadian Open cross-country championships in addition to the university championships i think that can only kind of benefit them um especially for the 3k i think that that base strength from this fall and into the winter is going to be huge for for those athletes so obviously there's the big individual races but there's also the team championships uh on the line as well too uh just taking a look at the start list and stuff and and you know watching I guess a real chess match between between coaches and stuff. Who do you see as uh, as winning the team championships this year, and and do you see them as being tight races? I gotta go with the, on the Ontario bias. The this Guelph, uh, I think they, as far as I know, they did very well at um, the the OUA championships, especially in the men's rankings. I think I saw winning by correct me if I'm wrong, like 50 or 60 points. Mm-hmm. So that, that's going to be huge. And I think their depth across all events is pretty impressive. Like I'm just a quick glance at the results, seeing a lot of names kind of in these, uh, the events where you really need some strong athletes to kind of make up for any lack of depth in any other event. Like some of the, the field events that I'm not a hunt, like I'm not super familiar with, but the consistency in seeing that the Guelph name in there is, I think they're going to be very hard to beat. Just their all-around kind of 
strength across all events, especially in the distance events as, as they're historically known for. So I see them, I see them in both the men's and women's um, events. I'm talking to uh, Tim Hubsch. Uh, he actually works for Canadian Running, and uh, them as well as us, I believe, have a bit of a, a bit of a, a distance bias, I guess you could say. But I have to know what are some of the races that you'll be watching, you know, outside of the thousand, fifteen hundred, and three thousand. One athlete that I've kind of taken a, a liking to is Tavon Campbell in the men's sixty meter. He won what was then the CIS championships last year. And he plays defensive back for the Saskatchewan rough riders of the Canadian football league. So it's always kind of good to see a professional athlete in another sport take on. Um, I actually haven't double checked to see if he's in on the star list for uh, this weekend, but he won the Canada West championships in the 60 meters. So it's always kind of cool to see a professional athlete in another sport kind of spend their off season doing some, doing kind of whatever events on the track they like in this case. Um, the 60 meter, I know he holds the CFL combine record for the, the 40 yard dash, which um, speaking of was just broken in, in the United States. Uh, and some guy won. He was in line to win a private island from Adidas, but he ended up wearing <laughs> Nike shoes. So that didn't quite fall through. So that's, that's one event I'm going to be, Looking at the the sprint events are always the men's sixty is just over so quickly and same with the women's side. Those events were pretty exciting to watch at the OUA championships, and then the men's and women's four four by two hundred meters, I think, going to be um, a really exciting event to watch, especially within the non bank track of the Butter Dome. Always and like it always seems to produce some crazy fall. Or I know at RSEC, I think there was a rather notable fall in one of the, the men's four by 200 meter races where there's, um, I think an athlete had to be taken off the track. So you don't like seeing that happen, but some, some contact is always kind of exciting to see in a sport. That's, uh, I guess, relatively, relatively conservative for the most part. Um, and yeah, seeing boss exchanges and just the kind of unpredictable nature of the event is going to be really, uh, really just something to watch for. All right, let's let's get right down to it. Uh, let's get into some of your picks. Uh, let's start with the with the four by eight. What, who do you have for that one? Women, I have Toronto. They're just I think, like I think you can put in even their fifth or sixth runner as one of the the, the top four spots, and the, I think they'll still win. And for the men, I see Windsor, and I like Corey Belmore, beer model world record holder on the anchor. Yeah. I didn't, see, I didn't. I didn't see him perform incredibly well at OUAs, but I think uh, being on that relay will add a, an extra bit of um, being just on the putting the team on your back on the the anchor leg is always fun to see and seeing the athletes duke it out uh, in that the last leg will be fun. What, was there four by eight team? Were they wearing the speed suits? I'm really hoping they were <laughs> wearing the speed suits because those things look slick. I know Belmore was wearing like kind of the retro looking speed suit in all his individual events. I'm hoping that I'm hoping they rock a similar look for uh, the four by eight. That's uh, the, the, the retro look is always adds a, a bit of flair to, to the event. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, take a look at the, at the thousand who, how do you see that one playing out? 
I'm going to go in the, in the men's race. I'm going to go with Jeff Tweedle. I think he is going to come back from kind of that rather shocking finish in the, the men's 1500 at OUA. He's kind of losing by one hundredth of a second to Jack Sheffer of Western. And he's, I think, going to take it, even though it's, that's, I think that's one of my more dark horse picks. Hmm. Um, obviously with some, some big names in there, but, uh, I'm calling the Mac, the Mac man for the win in that. And for the women, I'm going to go with Jenna Westaway. She's, she looks really good this year. I know she won in New York city. Um, and just, just narrowly missing, uh, the Olympic qualifying standard in 2016. I think, um, I think she's going to take the one K. Uh, the 1500, I mean, the 1500 is one of those races that can be run so many different ways. I mean, it could be a fast race. It could be a slow race. So I guess calling this one's really tough, but, but let's, let's hear who you have. I'm going with Tebow defending champion in the 1500. Like, like we discussed earlier, there could be other names in there, like, like Dan Gorman, um, Jack Sheffer, obviously the OUA champion. And there's, a lot of other strong athletes in there with uh, some good times like Tweedle as well. Uh, really, there's not really, it really all these athletes can end up on the podium, but I'm going to go with Antoine Thibault for the win. And I should also add, he, uh, he also has probably some of the best hair in the city and now what's now known as, as U sports. I don't know. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people that continue to call it CIS for at least this year and maybe another few years, just because the newness of this new, association's name and then uh the women's 1500 i'm going to go with uh, the older of the two of the two stafford sisters i think uh betting against gabriella stafford in this instance would be a mistake Hmm. Um, just kind of seeing that she won oua's in a a really fast time after kind of being not really knowing the kind of fitness she was in for uh, i think she was battling injury post rio um for a few months and then seeing her come back and kind of almost race her race her way into shape through that um through that event another two weeks of training i think um, i think uh, it'll come down to her her sister and regan Yee of trinity western i think that'll be uh not it's not gonna be, i will i don't think it's gonna be the race to watch but i think it'll be one of one of the the three or four races to watch of the of the U sports champs. And finally, my, my favorite race, um, of the, of the entire event, at least a favorite race distance, the, the 3000, how are you predicting those ones are going to play out? I feel bad for not giving a lack of shout outs to the, uh, some of the AUS athletes, but <laughs> I'm going to go with the Trinity Western sweep here with Declan white, who, uh, who at one point is in his career was eating 25 bananas a day. I think he's gonna he's gonna drop. Um, I think he's gonna win. I think Regan Yee is gonna win uh, the the women's three thousand. She's a strong steeplechaser, and I think uh, that three thousand event is kind of is kind of gonna be her uh, bread and butter. And as far as the uh, the Tim must watch race of uh, of the entire tournament, what should we all be tuning in for? I think the women's 1K, just three women seated at 242, including uh, uh, Lucia Stavri, who's still in her first year with the University of Toronto. That that times a Canadian record. Um, like I said, I think Jenna Westaway, Jenna Westaway is going to win that race. 
but the 1k is just kind of that the distance where you can it's halfway kind of between a true distance event and a true kind of sprint event so i think uh i think that's going to be a really good race to watch and then there's also um madeline kelly in there from toronto and then all these women under uh, or under 248 is just going to be uh going to be a great race i i the U sports record is held by Gabriella Stafford at 241. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that go down. Um, this is not a race that I see being overly and kick tactical. I see it as um, one or two athletes really getting after it at the beginning and kind of duking it out with maybe a third athlete coming, um, making up some ground in the final, in the final meters to maybe uh, kick and win. But I see that, that event is one of the, the faster races. And of course, uh, we, we would be remiss to uh, completely ignore the fact that this weekend also happening on the other side of the border, the NCAA championships. Um, as far as Canadians go, there are a couple big names there. Who do you got your eye on? I've got to give a shout out to Justin Knight. He's coming off, uh, I think a double win at ACC. I think he's only going to do the three K. Mm-hmm. Um, but an added kind of element there is that King Edward Chesarek is going for a, for a triple at NCAAs. So Justin May will be fresh for his race. Uh, Edward Chesarek at Oregon is going to be coming off the mile prelims and the 5K, as far as I know. So I like that night. Um, I actually like Knight having lost earlier this year. I think that him being outkicked in a race um, at Iowa State, when it didn't really matter a whole lot, I think is actually good for him, knowing that uh, rather than coming into the race unbeaten all year, he's going to have like kind of that that extra hunger, and uh, I don't think that affected his confidence at all. Like he's been he's been setting school records here and there um, for Syracuse, which is which obviously has a, a pretty rich history in track and field. Also, I'm looking at Sage Watson, NCAA and Canadian record holder in the 500, which is not maybe in an event that has the strongest records, but she's an Olympian, uh, ran as, ran, uh, 400 meter hurdles at the Olympics also ran as, as part of Canada's four by 400 relay team that made the final. So I think she, uh, she's going to be doing the 400. So going to keep an eye out for her. And also to the women in the, I don't know. I think it's the pentathlon in the indoor, uh, in the indoor combined events, but, mm. George Allingwood for Wisconsin and Nina Schultz, who has been setting uh, some records, some Canadian records in the the multi events. I see uh, that event as being kind of a good, uh, an up and coming event for following Brian Tyson Eaton's retirement. Um, and then finally, Robert Happenstall of Wake Forest in the 800, men's 800. Um, uh, I think he set the Canadian junior record last year in the 800. He, uh, he seems to be he like he seems to make all these the finals at these big races and uh, I think raced at the Canadian uh, Canadian Championships slash Olympic Trials in 2016. So for the most part, uh, Canada's gonna have a really strong contingent. I think of maybe not the deepest group of athletes, but the athletes from Canada that are going to be at this event are going to be you'll see them you'll see them near the front. I think for the most part. No love for Adam Palomar, eh? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that. 
I used to train with Adam, so and I know he was on the show, so I'll give him. Being in the mile is always kind of uh, risky. Like anything can happen, especially in such a short race. But I know he, uh, I think he's broken four in the mile this year and had one of the faster times going into the race. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Three fifty-seven. Yeah, that's uh, and obviously I think Canadian junior record holder in the fifteen hundred. So really, there's, there's, I'm sure there's enough, some other athletes that I missed. Um, but yeah, it's it should be a good weekend for track and field both here in Canada and the United States. It should be uh, it should be an exciting weekend for sure. We've been talking with uh, Tim Hubsch. You can find him on the uh, on the Canadian Running website, and I believe also in the magazine as well. He's a he's a bit of an expert, I guess you could say, and uh, he's been our run pundit this time around uh, to help us go through all of the exciting indoor events that will be happening this weekend. Uh, thanks a lot for, for taking the time for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests this week, Adam and Tim, to track you for their ongoing support, and of course, to you for listening. If you want to find us online, we're on Twitter and Instagram, at the Terminal Mile. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, tracky.ca. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production.